Have you ever eaten pizza? Say pizza. It's new. It's different. You'll like it. That's the copy from a Post-Dispatch ad from November of 1946 for St. Louis's first Neapolitan pizzeria on the corner of Sarah and West Pine. That's right, not on the hill, or Little Italy, in the Central West End. In 1947, owner Amadeo Fiore was featured in an article in the paper describing this new arrival to St. Louis. First, a rich yeast dough rolled to half an inch thick with tomato sauce spread evenly over the top and sprinkled with oregano. Here's where things get fun, I'll read you the verbatim. Quote, strips of anchovy are spaced on cheese with olives and ground meat. A bit of cayenne pepper may be dusted on pizza for those who like the dish hot. Mm? <laughs> the dish is introduced by writer Francis Dawson as part pie, part hot sandwich providing a pronunciation guide for the word pizzeria and establishing the cheese for the top should be provolone, described as a cheese similar in taste to Swiss or Gruyere. In an accompanying photo, Fiore is shown cutting the pizza into squares, strips, with a pair of scissors. Other early St. Louis pizzerias were essentially spin-offs from that first kitchen, each with their own variation or emphasis. For some reason, those anchovies remained popular though. In the thin crust, Provel cheese blend and oregano spiced sauce became baked in as the signature signs of a St. Louis style pizza. Now, Emo's is one of the best known purveyors of it around the country, but you can still find it all over the place here. Thankfully for me though, anchovies are now optional. Of course, there are also so many other types of pizza out there, even here in St. Louis. New York style's wide foldable slices, bubbly crusted and Italian certified Neapolitan, it's doughier cousin, New Haven style, thick crusted and square Sicilian, or it's Detroit descendant, first cooked up in a steel pan used in auto manufacturing. You could eat pizza seven days a week and never eat the same meal twice. And in 2020, in some ways, that's even more true. Feeding the whole family every meal of every day, you know, at home seven days a week, Luckily, ordering a pizza doesn't have to mean caving in. Louis on Demon and Clayton celebrated as one of the best restaurants in St. Louis to open over the past few years, the place where Drake ate thrice during his tour stop here, specializes in pizza. During the pandemic, restaurants have tried their hands at all sorts of unique pizza options based on the materials they have in their kitchen or other interesting flavor combinations they come up with. It's a food almost meant to be transferred after cooking and eaten at home over a good movie. You can buy local in the frozen food section. Dogtown Pizza is a classic, and it's hard to go wrong sampling the collabs between Mama Lucia's and local restaurants using spent grains from Forehands Brewery. Now Katie's Pizza and Pasta is also sending their frozen creations around the country. And around here, even your favorite hole in the wall, serving up Za in a greasy cardboard box, has probably been a staple in the neighborhood for generations. No matter your favorite topping, crust preference, your feelings toward Provel cheese, pizza as a whole is universal. It's something we can all agree on. And that is something we could all use a little bit more of these days. Especially today. We don't care if you're for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party because for this special Election Day episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, we're having a pizza party. 
Whether you're waiting in line at the polls, calming your nerves as you wait for results to come in, or needing a break from the wall-to-wall -wall coverage, we're coming to you early this week so you can slip in your earbuds, close your eyes, and let this episode wrap you up like a doughy, cheesy hug. We'll tell you why Dory and I are always thinking about pizza on election night, what some of our favorite local pizza purveyors say makes a good pie, and how one family's at-home operation turns into your family's at-home operation thanks in part to our little podcast here. I'm Abby Larico, and I approve this message. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. There are certain hashtags for various election-related topics you will be coming across in your timeline today. Depending on how many journalists you follow, election night pizza might be one of them. Allow me to explain. The time-honored tradition is both beloved and hated by journos who work insane hours without much time to stop and take a breather, let alone grab a bite to eat, as we collect election results and begin to call races. It's difficult to pinpoint exactly when and where this started, but it's been a thing for as long as pizza delivery has been a thing too, really. It also just makes sense. Pizza, it's good cold, it can be ordered in mass quantities in many varieties, and Honestly, practically, it's easily eaten with one hand while your other hand punches in a script that needs to be read live in 30 seconds. We love free food. We don't get it that often. And it's a great treat to get us through one of the busiest, most important nights in our industry. So why would this be hated, ever? Well, it's also something that any reporter and photographer crew who spends most of their night at a watch party, polling place, election authority, working out of a hallway or their car... It's something that we don't get to participate in. At least not until that pizza is picked over, hardened, and been sitting out for several hours once we make it back to the newsroom. To show you how ubiquitous this is, though, so well-known and beloved across newsrooms across the country, an Indiana candle company created an election night candle described as smelling like, quote, late deadlines, stressed editors, free pizza, lukewarm coffee, and democracy. Picked over? Shared and grazed upon? Yeah, that's not happening this year. Now, who's to say if election night pizza will ever be a thing again? I mean, our standards for what's disgusting and germy and what's not disgusting and germy have certainly changed quite a bit in 2020. But having not set foot in the newsroom since March, who'd have thought that I'd miss that combination of free pizza and democracy so much? At five on your side, the meals are coming to us from Breadco or... Uh, Panera, sorry for you out-of-state listeners, picnic-style box lunches. Checking in with reporters across the country seems to be the case for them, too. Sandwich, chips, a cookie. The lucky folks in some places get their meals expensed that night. A producer out of South Texas tells me they're getting tamales. Even as high up as NBC News and their decision desk, the food situation is far less glamorous this year. I mean, if you consider pizza glamorous, I suppose. I was talking to political scientist John Lipinski, who runs the NBC Decision Desk, and of course, I had to ask what they were eating on election night. So there's lots of emotions. I'm excited for it, but it will, it will be good to have it over, too. Yeah, no pizza probably this year for you guys either. It, it, oh, no, God, like, you know, the food situation is a nightmare. I think that we get like, you know, it's like the, you know, I think it's the airplane food box. And so who knows what it is? Good luck. Good yes. luck. Big time network folks, they're just like us.
There are so many pizza places to choose from and talk to in St. Louis. It's hard to narrow it down or figure out exactly who should be our interview subject to cover this big, expansive topic. So we did quick little bites with a couple of them in the St. Louis area. Hi, this is Chris Summers from Pie Pizzeria in St. Louis and Washington, D.C. Their thin crust is great, but I'd happily be buried alive in that deep dish cornmeal crust. This is Becky from Yaki's on Cherokee. My partner Francis and I own Yaki's with our bossy four-year-old daughter. Where the pizzas are wood-fired and made to order. Hello everyone, my name's Scott Sandler. I own a pizza place called Pizza Head on South Grand Boulevard in the Tower Grove Park area. Slices almost as big as your head. New York style, you can buy them by the slice Oh, and it's all vegetarian. I've been in the pizza business now six years. Uh, I opened my current place, however, in 2017. All right, first question, everybody. What makes a good pizza? I believe the best pizzas have the best foundation, and that being the crust. We at Pi are super excited about our deep dish cornmeal crust, but uh, as many people know as well, our thin crust is equally delicious. I think really what makes, a, in addition to the foundation, a savory sauce, not too sweet, and real whole, whole milk mozzarella are key to any pizza um, and its delicious quotient. The greatest pizza, we think, is all about the crust. Fresh crust complements a homemade sauce, and that goes a long way. Everyone has their own feelings about what the best pizza toppings are, but everyone can agree that with a good sauce, and good crust, the pizza will be excellent. What makes great pizza? Uh, I think that's a complicated question with an array of acceptable answers. Um, holistically, great pizza doesn't necessarily equate to restaurant success. Likewise, having terrible pizza could be very successful, i.e. Domino's. I think the key to having a good pizza, I don't really believe in great pizza, I believe in good pizza, is passion and respect for the art and the craft. Who, besides yourself, makes your favorite pizza here in the St. Louis area? My wife and I really enjoy the pizza at Pasteria. I'm very excited to also try the pizza at our friends um, Chris and Adam's place, Elmwood. My favorite pizza place, along with Francis's, is Pizzeria Tivoli on South Kings Highway. It is only slightly better than my mom's regular pizza night on Fridays while growing up. I'm uh, vegan, so I don't eat pizza anywhere else that much. Um, however, uh, Red Guitar Bread, Seeds Cafe, Pasteria, and Pie Guy are some of the pizzas I've had uh, that I've really liked. Um, there's a lot of great pizza in St. Louis, and I'm still hoping to get to some, some of those places soon. What is it, do you think, about pizza that people just love? Pizza can be shared uh, so well, and I've always said that I don't think you can trust somebody who doesn't like pizza because there are just so many variations. There's so many different ways to eat it. Gluten-free, vegan crust, there is something for everybody. And uh, almost every cuisine, every culture has their own version of pizza. So it seems like they're doing something right with pizza. The thing that we love most about pizza is a way that it is an asset to the community. We're able to feed lots of families. We're able to feed lots of friends and neighbors. Our friends and neighbors and families have to come to a unanimous decision about what should go on the pizza. There's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of give and take. But at the end, 
everyone is happy. We think pizzas help feed families on a tight budget. They help feed neighbors who have nowhere else to go. And we've never seen people open up our pizza box and not smile. That goes a long way in 2020. Ah, pizza. It's truly for the people. Okay, so one of our favorite things to do with this podcast is connect with people. We love hearing when you try something new because you heard about it on the pod or the different ways you've gotten to know the St. Louis food scene. One of the coolest stories to come out of this, though, has to be what happened with Jay Arcapazzo's Pizza Company. We heard about it from Alexis Neitzert. Her dad owned restaurants her whole life, notably Domenico's in Florissant. You could say it was a family thing. His cousin owned T. Arcabasso's. But eventually, life's twists and turns took Alexis's dad out of the restaurant business. He was missed. And he missed it a bit, too. Everybody just missed our pizzas. It was like one of the things that people were like, oh, we wish we could have your pizzas, you know. But he would always make them for us at home. So we never went without our pizzas. It was just always something he did for us. He would make the restaurant food even without the restaurant. So we, we would always be like, you know, we need to find a way to, to bring these to everyone. And um, I think it happened over a family trip. I'm, I'm thinking it was 2017. Um, we brought a bunch of pizza, like dough balls and our sauce and cheese down to um, Destin. We had like a big family vacation with his as one does in Destin yeah (laughs) yeah it was fun we all rented a house it was my aunts and uncles my cousins and so he made like we all took turns making dinner and his night he made pizzas and we made I think about like eight pizzas and everybody's like oh gosh these are so good and you know as they always say you know and we're partial because you know we've all grown up on these pizzas but um so after that we were just like how how can we make this you know, it held up, the dough balls held up all the way to Florida. So we're like, if we can make them and freeze them and make them hold up like that, then we should be able to like do it for, you know, everyone. So I put a post out, like it was two pictures of our pizzas. And I was like, Hey, if, if we can make this, so you can make them at home, would you be interested? And I mean, it got a great response. There's tons of comments and likes and everyone, oh yeah, we missed your pizza. That would be so awesome. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, let's just give it a go. So our original packaging was actually like brown paper lunch bags and Ziploc <laughs> bags with our dough balls, sauce, and cheese. That's and like as homemade and legit as it very, gets. Yeah, it was. It was very mom and pop. Like they made it in their kitchen. It got to the point where they were making and packing and delivering 800 pizzas in a month. After hearing about the program at Schnooks in the episode where we talked about how they're putting more local foods on their shelves, Alexis, the marketing side of the operation, called the number we shared. And now you can pick up your own at-home pizza kit at local schnook stores. They come in the cutest little boxes. It's everything you need to roll out your own dough and make a delicious homemade pizza. With your quarantine, when you want something different to do with the family, when you're bored by yourself and really avoiding election coverage. I just feel like, um, you know, everybody's home and they're looking for things to keep them busy aside from like screens, especially with little kids. Like, you know, it's real easy nowadays to say, oh, here, like, let's watch whatever, or here's your iPad, you know, but we, we try to take it away from that. So you can give your children an experience and build memories with them. And it's, I feel like it's very therapeutic when you have the dough and it's thought out and you're like kneading it. We want everybody to feel like they can be, you know, a chef in their own kitchen and make memories with their family. That's our, that's our big 
selling point is we love to bring everybody together in the kitchen because it's something that our family likes to do. Like my kids all know how to make a pizza. They could all probably do it by themselves now because we've done, we've done it so much. Um, but yeah, we just wanted, we just wanted families to gather and to be able to, you know, laugh together and make memories in their kitchen, being able to make people feel like they could do a restaurant style pizza at their own house. The thing is we're all taking away different things from this moment. We're all, experimenting with different things and you know while we're able to say this is a there's been a silver lining for J.R. Cabasso's Pizza Company with all of this and you getting to work with your family and everything like that what do you think your message I guess you could say or your lesson that you hope people who aren't in the pizza business or people who are just listening to the podcast. Um, what is a bit of wisdom that you've gained during, you know, from the pizza company and making it through all of this that you'd want to share with listeners? Just that slowing down is actually not a bad thing. Um, it's given us a lot of time to reflect and just, um, really see what is important in life. And um, for us, family is number one. D don't beat yourself up for, during this time. Give yourself a little grace. Um, just realize that this will come to an end and we'll all be able to get back into the world and, you know, hug strangers if we want to or whatever. <laughs> but just to kind of enjoy the slowness a little bit and just soak it in and you know, try not to stress yourself out about what's happening in the future. Just kind of live in the moment, live in the present, be, be here while we're here. So hmm. be present. Yeah. Be present. Sure, yeah. That's good advice. Remember, some things are universal. No matter what happens on Tuesday night and perhaps the days and weeks to follow, whether your people win or lose, let's try and remember what matters. Of course, that's our families, the well-being of our community, the belief in the promise of this country, and that pizza is always a good idea. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. Executive producer is Dory Olmos. When you are ready to start following the news of the day again, tune in on air and online for our reporting and updates at KSDK.com and the Five on Your Side app. Tag us in your election day meal choices. We want to see them, pizza or otherwise. Weigh in on our polls too, like thin crust or thick. Does pineapple really belong on pizza? You know, the important polls. Those will be on our Instagram, at Abby Eats St. Louis. Special thanks to Suzanne Corbett and Harley Hammerman for their extensive pizza history knowledge. Don't forget, exercise your right to vote, love your neighbor, and seize the plate. <laughs>